Howdy, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Texas Signal Signal Cast. I'm your host, Joe Desotel, and I'm here with my co-host, Jessica Montoya Coggins. Hello, Jessica. Hey, Joe. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the redistricting stuff and a few other things that are going on. Uh, but Ted Cruz is back in the news, so we'll be talking about Ted Cruz a little bit. So let's just jump right in. So the redistricting maps uh, passed and Abbott basically signed them at the beginning of the week. And so immediately we saw lawsuits and I think we'll continue to see lawsuits. Uh, There's some really uh, bad things on the congressional maps as well as uh, the Senate and the House maps where essentially Republicans just like, you know, uh, shored themselves up and made sure that their incumbent friends would come back. Um, And a lot of the looks like Republicans that were paired against each other uh, were, uh, were folks who were already planning on retiring. And so that's just how they basically got around that. Um, but that means now that we have maps that uh, we have a filing deadline and we know uh, that folks are going to start filing for office soon. Now that we have the maps, people know where they, you know, what, what districts they fall in and they can start uh, thinking about that. So the filing deadline is Monday, December 13th, 6 p.m. for those who would like to follow along. Uh, I think Patrick Zvitek every year puts out like a spreadsheet. And so as people's names pop up there, he starts to do that. Uh, So this is actually a really fun time for political operatives and stuff who kind of want to see who's all running for what. Um, Any interesting names that have uh, floated up for you um, recently? Sure. Well, you know, in our neck of the woods, there was a lot of reshuffling going around. Some candidates dropped out after they were kind of redistricted out. Um, There was a change in sort of the numbers. So the old John Turner district has kind of shifted. So there's a lot of people that are running in that open seat. Um, I, as I mentioned before, I got totally redistricted, even though I didn't move anywhere. So I have a, a all new Republican slate ahead of me. So I'll be interested to see who, who is filing where. Um, but yeah, so it is, I think, uh, interesting. Uh, there are a lot of names that are you know, popping out. Um, and those cases, as we said, about those, those maps are going forward. Uh, we know Maldef filed, uh, Voto Latino also filed. They did theirs with Mark Elias, the sort of Democrat super lawyer. Um, but yeah, you know, pointing out again that these maps are, are pretty ridiculous for a state that had 95% of its growth, you know, fueled by people of color uh, to actually <laughs> increase white majority districts is, is pretty uh, egregious and appalling. Uh, so we shall see. And I, I do think, though, that the primary, I would be surprised if it moved past March where it is currently slated, uh, just simply because I think Greg Abbott just wants to get his primary out of the way. Uh, so the the sooner the better for him. Agree. I think the longer this goes on, the worse it is for him. As a matter of fact, you saw people uh, to his right calling for an additional special session. So they are not done with the conservative agenda as far as they're concerned. And we'll see how that plays out for Abbott. But yeah, I think you're right. He's got about, you know, he's 50 plus million dollars uh, that he's raised. And so he'll start spending that. Apparently he's already started spending that against Beto. I have not seen any of the ads, but I've heard already that he's running ads against Beto, who has yet to even announce that he's going to run for governor. But guess when you got that much cash? Yeah, he's got the the nickname already short up. So I think it's Wrong Way O'Rourke, which is a bit of a tongue twister. I don't know. Wrong I, Way O'Rourke. Wrong Way O'Rourke. It's, it's a little old. Like, yeah, I'm that is. 
Yeah, I won't episode. be saying that a lot. Yeah. I won't be saying that five <laughs> times fast. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, so he's already spending the money. I mean, and, and so I think it, it's partly because he, he can, uh, but also because there's been a lot of rumors about Beto and, you know, as basically he moves far, far, farther to the right, that opens him up to the middle and the left. So I think he's starting to kind of shore that up a little bit by reminding folks, oh, you don't want Beto because, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, but, you know, we've seen a little bit of other shakeup in your North uh, Texas part of the woods. Uh, Eddie Bernice Johnson uh, has not announced that she won't run for reelection. However, the fact that there are already three primary candidates in that race, uh, people are starting to suspect that maybe uh, after a few decades in Congress, or at least a couple, uh, that she may be finally retiring. That's I, I've heard that, too. Now, I will just sort of say I love EBJ. Uh, she has sort of raised a couple of times that, you know, this this session will be her last. As she said that, you know, um, I think 2015 uh, 2017. So we've heard this before. So for me, unless I do not see that name on the ballot, right, yeah. then I'm like, uh, yeah. but, but no, there actually are some, some interesting people that, that have been running, uh, that are, are running. Um, so, so we'll keep our eyes peeled on that. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm with you on some of the older, you know, uh, members, they, they flirt with retiring quite a bit and, uh, you know, these other folks really need to be well positioned to uh, step in 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 case that does happen. Um, but you know, I feel like for her, I mean, it's possible that we lose the majority as as outrageous as that is, but after the gerrymandering that's going to take place across the country, we could very well end up losing the majority. And if you've been in Congress for 30 years and going from, you've been, been in the wilderness and then they got the majority and then they'll lose it again. I, I mean, I think it's a good time to retire if you've been there that long, quite honestly. And I'd say the same for, for house members too, you know, um, uh, in the state legislature, uh, we, we've, we've, we thought we had a chance last time to, to flip, um, the house and we didn't. And after these maps, this is going to make it even harder in the next two cycles. And I just feel like, I mean, I don't want to say what's the point, but for, for members that have been there a long time, I feel like this is a good transition time um, and get somebody else in there who, who, who can be in there another 10 or 15 years, build up seniority while we, um, while we try to ultimately get enough maps, uh, you know, go through the courts or change some of these maps so we can get enough Democrats to uh, take the house again. Uh, but as we know, also the, the legislative board, redistricting board is is made up of uh three statewide offices so even if we did have the house and could stop bad maps we would still need either the senate and the governorship or some combination of the of three of the five statewide offices uh or offices that that sit on that board so a lot of minutiae but but the but the point is it's not good and it's really unfortunate it just seems like everything with the way our system is set up just benefits conservative the conservative party and the conservative people in power and it's so unfortunate i mean we see that in the senate right now you know uh we even have a majority in the senate and we still can't get things done because of the the rules because of the way the rules are set up to benefit essentially a a minority of people um who want to keep keep power because they've had it for a long time 
Well, and I, we, we even mentioned that last week that Abbott, you know, named a new secretary of state and he did that without, you know, the Senate approval. Um, I think that's another reason that there's not going to be another special session. Um, but this is just uh, highly undemocratic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really unfortunate. But, um, you know, that, so one of the things that they did not pass this, this session that they're calling for a fourth special session for was uh, a bill that Greg Abbott wanted to pass that would essentially make it illegal for any entity in the state of Texas to mandate a vaccine. So that would mean, um, you know, the airlines, which we just saw Southwest Airlines mandated for their their employees and a judge just ruled that they in fact could do that, which we already know because the federal government is going to supersede and especially on something like, you know, the tra- uh, transportation. Um, and so basically um, what's happened since is this has been one of those rally cries for the right that Greg Abbott should be doing this and the state legislature should be doing this. Um, but so it looks like maybe he's enlisted Paxton in this uh, AG Ken Paxton, our indicted attorney general, has pledged to sue on behalf of any state agency uh, refusing COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Right. Um, so there are so the Biden uh, executive order you know, stipulates that federal contractors have a deadline uh, to to get the COVID-19 vaccine. And that is coming up in December. And so Paxton has essentially sort of leapfrogged over that, you know, saying to any state agency that employs federal contractors, I will sue on your behalf. Um, he has technically not actually filed this lawsuit. Um, he had been planning, he, he was saying that he was going to sue the Biden administration. That's just kind of because some of the guidance from OSHA, a subsidiary of the Labor Department, hasn't quite come up with their stuff yet. Um, but, you know, this is, uh, they are very adamantly opposed to this. We know that Don Huffines has been, this has been a huge thing with him for Abbott, you know, saying, calling Abbott weak for, you know, not having these, this, this blanket order. Um, and I mean, this is just, I mean, we, we've, we're coming up, you know, over 68,000 Texans have died from COVID-19. That number is probably going to go over 70,000 pretty quickly. Pretty soon, even though hospitalizations are down, uh, you know, there's still deaths that are happening. And each one is, is I think almost everyone is, is, is unnecessary at this point. Um, and it's, it's just very tragic that this is, that this, that this is happening. Yeah, absolutely. It really is the unnecessary part of it that that's so bad. And um, I saw that, you know, Dr. Burks, who, you know, many, um, you know, people don't look very fondly on her because they think she was, you know, uh, sort of under the thumb of the Trump administration refused to really push back on some things. But she recently said that we could have saved uh, well over 100,000 lives just if they would have been not distracted so much with trying to overturn the election. And so we see that transcribed right here in Texas with what we saw during the special session and what they're trying to do in, in sort of the, the narrative that they formed around the vaccines. And at the same time, the companies that have implemented them, it's working. And, and they're saying that, hey, look, our employees, you know, are hitting these marks, 96, 98 percent 
uh, of our employees are, are getting vaccinated and, and, and that's creating a safer environment and that's going to allow customers to feel safer and be able to go back out and leave their homes and go back out and, and, and live their lives again, the way Republicans keep saying that they want to do, which is not going to happen otherwise. And so, um, it's really incredible. And so, you know, the, the vaccine supposedly is going to be available to kids. It looks like uh, the Pfizer vaccine has been approved for, for children and Texas is 2.9 million children that'll become eligible. And that, you know, we're talking about getting kids back in school and things like that. And they don't want kids to wear masks. Well, here's, here's your chance. And by uh, the way, if you send your kid to a public school, like I, I was, uh, you already had to vaccinate your kids for numerous diseases. Uh, this is, I think, the 18th one that you're asking for, basically. And they work. And so, yeah, and so that's that's why we do it. And, and, you know, of course, you know, this is what these are, these school districts have already been fighting with, with Paxton over this. And so I think that it's very helpful. This is one thing that parents can do uh, and the administrators can do is promote the vaccine. And even though if they can't mandate it, um, you know, they can help to kind of create the, the safer environment where we reduce that spread and reduce the effects that it's having on folks. Um, and that would obviously be a good thing, but it looks like Republicans are just not done with the schools yet. So not only do they want to make it not a safe environment, but also they don't, uh, they want to change the learning aspect of the environment and the books that kids are reading. And I know you did a story on this one as well. So Matt Krause, who is currently uh, a recently retired state representative, uh, he stepped down in order to challenge uh, Ken Paxton for AG, um, is trying to make a name for himself, it seems like, uh, by going after kids once again. In this case, it is um, books and certain books and types of books and specifically looking for, quote, material that might make students feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress because of their race or sex or convey that a student, by virtue of their race or sex, is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. Yes. Uh, so he sent this letter to the Texas Education Agency, as well as several superintendents of school districts. Um, and it, this letter also came with an addendum, a 16-page addendum with over 850 books. Um, you know, I every time I looked at it, I would find something new that was, you know, just crazy. Um, you know, a lot of books uh, from actually, I think, some really uh, celebrated authors. Uh, the recent best-selling book by Ruby Bridges, the, the Civil Rights pioneer is, is on that list. Um, a lot of books that uh, also deal with just like basic health things uh, are on there. Um, and then many, many uh, books that ha deal with LGBT content. Um, there was a book that I really liked that I've read a couple months ago, uh, Dante and Aristotle Discover the Secrets of the Universe. I, I thought it was a, a lovely young adult novel. I would, you know, heartily recommend it for, for anyone. It does deal with some themes uh, about, um, you know, d discovering your your sexuality. But uh, so, yeah, this was, um, it made a lot of headlines. You know, uh, it was, I think, startling for a lot of people to, to just, you know, have such a blatant example of, uh, I guess this is what they really do call cancel culture uh, that, is, that is coming out of the woodwork here. 
Yeah, and it's ironic because they're the ones that were mocking liberals for cancel cancel culture and you know saying you know facts don't care about your feelings and then they go and want to ban books and and it's weird to me because you know five years ago they talked about bringing church and religion and bible back in schools well i don't know if he's actually read the bible but there's some a few books in the bible that that talk about these themes uh of, of sex and sexuality and 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 might quite uh you know uh, make students feel dis you know discomfort and, and perhaps some guilt uh based on uh sort of the the way it's talked about in those contexts uh but we're supposed to understand context and that is part of learning. Um, and so it just strikes me as how, how could he have a list of 800 books without the, the number one book of all time? Um, certainly in their eyes, not being on that list. I just, I don't understand how they could square that, but. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I was that, you know, this comes at a time when, you know, Republicans have been talking so much about critical race theory. They want to stomp that out of the classroom, um, I actually, I talked with a, an author recently who was on that list. Her name is Anastasia Higginbotham. Uh, she wrote a picture book uh, called Not My Idea, a book about whiteness. Um, that was the book that was actually cited by Steve Toth when he was drafting that sort of quote, anti-critical race theory bill, HB 3979. Um, and, you know, she, she was very flabbergasted that her you know book has you know got this widespread attention from from republicans in texas uh she certainly does not see it as a race shaming book at all uh, in fact i think it's supposed to be the the opposite on that um it's uh, she's you know trying to help kids on a, a path of social justice is how how she put it um but you know i i, I was looking over social media and you know looking at other children's authors you know their reaction to to being on this list and you know some were like well that was a surprising thing to wake up to but then you know others were very concerned that this is you know trying to to really um create a very sheltering environment for kids one where you're intentionally trying to 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 not teach them history and, and important things that that will develop them along their way to adulthood yes i mean the whole the whole thing is, is it's pretty infuriating. I mean, these folks using this type of these tactics and just going in and they've basically trans transcribed all of their culture war stuff that they've been throwing at Democrats down to kids. And they've been doing this the last couple of years. Uh, we saw it start with, you know, like trans kids and things like that. They, they, um, uh, successfully passed that bill here um, at the end of the last session. Um, and then now they're going, like you said, with the critical race stuff and now books uh, of all, of all kinds. Um, so it's just, it's like this never ending thing. And then we end up, you know, you just get to these certain moments in time and, and you just have to wonder uh, if there is an end to all this. Uh, so we saw Ted Cruz the other day, uh, essentially, uh, and this was related to school, right? This was a school district issue, uh, basically defending a Nazi salute. Uh, can you tell us a little bit? I think you're working on a story for this. Sure. Um, so he was, uh, he was at a Senate hearing. Uh, this was with the Attorney General Merrick Garland uh, a couple of weeks ago. The Department of Justice sort of issued this one-page um, letter to U.S. attorneys around the country just to, you know, let them know about the rise of 
hateful, violent rhetoric around school board meetings. Uh, so this obviously incensed Republicans. They latched on to this, uh, you know, talking about the tyranny of, of you know, Joe Biden with these school districts. Um, and so at this, this hearing, uh, Ted Cruz, I guess, uh, defended a man who was at a school board hearing and uh, was talking, he was an anti-mask parent, or I don't even know if he was a parent, he might even have children in this school, who knows. Um, but he was, you know, decrying mask usage, and then he, he did a, a Nazi salute. Um, and so Ted Cruz basically defended that individual, you know, saying, you know, that, you know, he, he does feel this way about masks, as do many parents, which not quite not quite as much as you think, but it was, I, I mean, when you're kind of at the point and, you know, you're trending on Twitter with Nazi salute that I think you've really done something very, very wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And there's something called Godwin's law. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it is an internet meme sort of thing. And it basically goes something like the longer a comment section and a conversation goes on online, the more likely it is that someone will be compared to Adolf Hitler or the Nazis. That's that's basically it. And Ted Cruz just brings it straight up to the top. And, you know, it's amazing how on one hand they're saying critical race theory is terrible. We can't talk about race or anything. Somebody might feel uncomfortable, but a Nazi salute, no, that is that's the First Amendment. That's what we have to protect. All these books over here that kids have been reading for generations, we need to get rid of those. We need to burn those. This Nazi salute over here, that's what we should be really trying to protect. So I don't know. You know, I kind of look for consistency, uh, but I'm starting to feel like these guys may be full of crap. I I think so. You know, um, we've also had a couple articles about Ted Cruz. He's had this long blockade against ambassadors. Our colleague William has been following this. And, you know, this is supposed to be a very principled thing for Ted Cruz. It has to deal with this Russian uh streamliner or something and you know Cruz did actually lift that for two former senators uh Tom Udall and Jeff Flake uh so he let their ambassadorships go through as well as uh two two widows of senators including Cindy McCain so one kind of things like all right are you really that principled because you did you you're you're so adamant about this but oh you know actually my former colleagues and and their spouses i'll i'll let it slide <laughs> i didn't even realize that wow uh but yeah but there's no question about uh ted cruz it definitely does not have any kind of real true moral compass only a political uh wind vein uh so to speak well hence, but- hence his relationship with sports because he's gone very much uh you know he a uh, couple of months ago he chided the ma- major league baseball uh this was after the Cleveland team announced that they were changing their name to the Guardians. Uh, so he decried Major League Baseball for, for being woke. Also, when they announced the All-Star game would not be held in Atlanta after some voter suppression bills, he made it seem like he he was done with Major League Baseball. But I don't know. He was at the, the Astros game uh, recently and had, a, had an interesting sign there. You Have sure you heard will. about this? <laughs> yes, go Brandon, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, I think this may be another story you're working on, if I'm not 
correct were you working on a story about I, this yeah, yeah yeah well you you can tell the story i i, I am a <laughs> astros fan so this just absolutely just annoys me that ted cruz would even be seen with an astros jersey on but let's let's go brandon yes let's go brandon um so if you've heard that if you've seen that phrase and you're like what who is this brandon uh, you're not going crazy. This is actually something that's that's popped up and it's very popular with Ted Cruz. It's very popular with the Greg Abbott campaign. You can actually buy some Let's Go Brandon wrapping paper. Uh, but so there actually is a Brandon. Um, he won a race car thing <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. That's really a sport I don't follow that much. Um, but in video from the event, uh, you can hear people chanting, uh, this was at Talladega in, in Alabama, uh, they were shouting the F word and, and, and Joe Biden's name. Uh, and so the, the reporter on the sidelines was basically, I guess, trying to do some damage control, said, oh, they're chanting, chanting let's go, Brandon, which they very clearly weren't. But so Republicans have just taken this and run with it. And now it's this huge viral meme for them. Uh, there's several songs on Apple charts right now about this. And yes, Ted Cruz was at the Astros game uh, posing alongside someone with a Let's Go Brandon poster. Uh, so, and Paxton, he's been using this a lot too as, as he's ended press conferences. So you are not but, crazy if you yeah. if you think you're, you're hearing Brandon all the time. Right, yes. But we're supposed to believe that they're very concerned about how children learn and 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 what we put in front of and expose children to. And yet this is like what they're putting in their campaign stuff. Um and you made a really good point on an editorial call this morning that like in order to even know what they're even talking about, you have to be so deep in the minutiae of their little ecosystem that they have otherwise yeah you hear you hear that kind of a phrase and you know it's something but you, yeah you. well this is kind of what inspired my my grandfather i guess uh he he's at a facility right now he's probably i think one of the only the few people who does not watch fox news uh but it was on uh -huh. in, in a, a common room and so he, he asked me he was like what's brandon who is brandon so i've I kind of heard of this, so I explained it to him. And yeah, you're right. You have to be like a very, very online person to understand what they're talking about in many instances. Uh, and so this is this is one of those those situations too. And you know what? I mean, it's just as woke as anything the they could use the liberals of. I mean, it just means being aware. I mean, and so they want to have these little super niche sort of conversations so that they can they can say, oh, you're with us or you're not with us. Because if you're out there, like, let's go, Brandon, then they know, oh, you're on my little team and my little niche or whatever. The, the only difference is that when Democrats do it, it's because we're trying to be inclusive of other people. And we're trying to be aware of how the things we say might affect other people. And when the Republicans do it, it's literally just to insult people. And it's, and it's always like some kind of a negative attack on some group of people or an individual in this case. And so they're doing what they're accusing us of doing, but they're doing it to literally hurt people as opposed to like, just be, not be a jerk, you know? I mean, 
you know, I, it's it's a very much a grievance culture. Yeah, there you go. Republicans, That's it. and it's, it's grievance. You know, they always talk about oh, the mainstream media—they're so against us. But it's like they—they they would love nothing more than to be the mainstream media. It's why they get so That's wrapped exactly up. Right. You know, it's Ted Cruz. It's why you you get so animated about you know the when Dr. Seuss was ca- was canceled, which mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert, there ne- that never happened and. You know, it's uh, you were so incensed when Gina Carano was fired from the Mandalorian, and it's mm-hmm. just, they just wish that they had. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why they always complain about the the elite, the elite liberals on the coastal elites because they want to be, they want to go to the Met Gala, they want to be invited yeah. to that. It's like Dan Crenshaw. It's like Dan Crenshaw when he made that campaign video. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's like he wants to be, you know, Hollywood. Big, yeah, he wants to be with Dave Bautista. He wants to be, yeah. you know, alongside Chris Evans or the Avengers, really. And, you mm-hmm. know, they pretty much, with the exception of one, they all hate you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's it. You, you really nailed it. That's exactly what it is. Um, but while we're sort of still in the Astros, I do have to say they had a great game last night. I don't know when people are going to be listening to this, but, um, you know, the Astros, have, you know, tied the series. Uh, at home and so we'll be going to Atlanta for the next game but we did really good so besides that little Ted Cruz cameo um very proud of the Houston Astros um and you know the last thing I'll say on this because I think this is kind of funny the uh the the culture of the Republicans always wanting to be cool um but never quite being able to figure it out and so they're kind of angry and mad i think it perfectly fits in with this whole crypto bro like culture that's going on um and so i thought this little piece was funny basically republicans want to make texas like the crypto capital so that like all the mining and all that goes here goes on here and for folks that don't know basically takes a whole bunch of computing power to essentially mine and make these like these transactions on the blockchain and so you can spend hours learning about blockchain and still not have a clue about what it really is and that's totally fine but for the purposes of this just know that it takes tons of computing power and and the fact of our grid not being stable um is is a is a big concern for people who uh you know who are looking at this this is, a, I think, actually a perfect encapsulation of the Republican Party, where they keep on trying to bring in these uh, industries, and actually mm-hmm. the industries kind of realize, wait, that one thing that you said you were so, yeah. so uh, good about, maybe, maybe we have to second, second guess. It's like, I've actually wondered this with Tesla too, with you know these electric cars, and I'm like, hmm, I don't well, know yeah. about this. Yeah, absolutely. Because because you can't legally buy a Tesla and they move their headquarters here and you cannot legally buy one in the state. That's that's pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, so, well, with that, I think that's, that's pretty good. Um, so we'll continue to follow along with the redistricting stuff uh, as these uh, lawsuits actually, you know, pan out and, and their judgments may, we'll of course be writing stories on these and following very closely the twists and the turns. And I don't expect that it's going to change anything for this cycle, but it could in the future. 
Uh, so we'll keep a very close eye on that and also be watching as uh, names, new names uh, pop up for office. We still don't have a gubernatorial candidate technically in the state of Texas for the Democrats. And there are a few other positions that we're looking to fill. Land commissioner, I believe there was someone who just announced and someone else who may announce uh, in the next few days for that role. Uh, but there are a few others. We have a lot of statewide offices in the state of Texas. So we'll be uh, talking about those folks and in some cases having them on the show and talking to them about their campaigns. Um, so, you know, keep it dialed into texassignal.com and, uh, you know, following us on social at Texas Signal on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Um, and of course, getting your podcast wherever you, um, wherever you got them. And we're also on YouTube. I don't, we never talk about YouTube, but, um, uh, this this shows uh, also on YouTube, so uh, check that out if you do. Um, know that November second is on Tuesday, and elections are going on all across the state of Texas. There are a few amendments on the ballot. Um, I have you voted yet? By the way, I did actually. I, oh. I went this morning. Great, good after, for you. After our editorial meeting, yeah. Excellent. I'm supposed to vote today. Me and Stella. It's Stella's birthday. My wife and we always vote on her birthday because she's on the 28th of October. Happy so, happy birthday, Stella. And um, and so we have a couple of local propositions here. So wherever you are, check your local ballot. You might have some some local propositions, but this this stuff is really important because local Republicans will do this everywhere. But in the city of Austin, they're putting a proposition on the ballot that is undermining our city and they could be doing the same in yours. So make sure that you read the ballot language, you get educated about what's on the ballot uh, and that you cast your vote. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. This is to help educate people, get them out there, get them actively involved in their in their government and, uh, and make Texas a better place. So thanks for listening. And until next time, we'll see you later. Bye, guys.